Hello, welcome back to a new episode of Content Rookie. Today I'm going to talk about the first approximately 90 days on a new job as a UX writer. And I think the advice and the tips and tricks I'm going to share today apply pretty much to anyone. So if this is your first job as a UX writer or it's just a new one after you've switched from your previous one, I think this advice pretty much still applies. And to some extent, it also applies to freelance UX writing. Uh, This is going to be the last episode before I go into a probably a little bit longer summer break to rest a little and deal with the heat (laughs) that I struggle with. And I really hope you enjoy the episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. Continue to reach out and request new episodes. This episode was heavily requested, so I really hope it answers the questions, especially for those who reached out to me. And yeah, let me know if you have any thoughts after. Thank you so much for listening. So as you've heard in some of the previous episode, I've not only started my fair share of UX writing gigs and projects and jobs, but I've also mentored UX writers when they've started their first jobs. So I think I have a pretty good idea of the things that usually pop up in the beginning when you take on a new UX writing project. Uh, Nonetheless, I did Google around a little and try to summarize the most common issues that arise in your first couple of weeks on a new job. And I'm just going to share this list with you. So the number one issue is that you may not know who does what. This is definitely a thing and something that I'm going to address with some advice later on in the episode. Secondly, and I think this specifically is the case for younger UX writers or less experienced UX writers, but you know, I can feel like this even now, and that is the fear of sounding stupid. Things may be so complicated, or especially if you're maybe the first UX writer, it's very difficult to figure out how things run and roll, and you may feel like you're asking a lot of very stupid, very obvious questions. That's not the case. You should always feel comfortable asking questions. Probably nobody's going to think that you sound stupid at all. And even if the question is a pretty obvious one, then maybe this is actually going to show them that some things aren't as clear as they thought. The third point on the list is that there's no one to show you the ropes. And this can be a big issue, especially in companies that are hiring or bringing on their first UX writer. Um, I think this is even still an issue in companies that maybe already have some UX writers, but not specifically in the team. Um, And it can also be emphasized by issues like maybe your manager doesn't know that much about UX writing or they haven't worked with a UX writer before. They're maybe doing something else. They may be a designer. They may be a PM. And uh, it can be very difficult to figure out exactly what you should do and how you should approach it at that new company. So that's definitely an issue I think a lot of people that have tried UX writing or that are working UX writing have dealt with. But again, there are some things you can do and we'll get to those later in the episode. Number four, and this is probably the case for any new job or project you start, and that is information overload. I think it's even worse when you're a UX writer or a content strategist because it's still a quite new discipline and there may not be several UX writers on your team or people that have worked with them before, it can be pretty unclear what to share with you. And so what often happens is that just everything is shared with you. And this is just not not just in regards to documents or in regards to who you should meet, but it could also mean that you get access to a whole bunch of systems that you're probably never going to use. And it can be really, really overwhelming to go through all of that and to figure out like what is really there that is important for me and that I can use later on. So, you know, fear not, it's normal, and you're probably going to feel a little bit overwhelmed in the beginning, but you'll figure it out soon enough. 
Number five is needing to meet and build relationships with a lot of different stakeholders. Yes, this definitely is one of the more complicated parts of UX writing, specifically now when you're maybe starting a job remotely. Um, I started my last job remotely and it was definitely challenging to figure out like who are the stakeholders, who should I talk to, how should I meet them, and like how do I build those relationships remotely when it's only on the video call and everyone's already busy and I can't just grab them for coffee. I actually have to schedule meetings into their calendar. So it's definitely an issue, but you're gonna figure it out as well. Number six is that you may be unsure of processes. I think this is totally normal. And again, something that applies to, to most new jobs you may have. When it comes to UX writing, I think you usually have a pretty unique opportunity to develop your own processes. And it doesn't really matter if it's if you're the first UX writer, if there are already UX writers on the team, you can probably figure out what really works once you get to know the company and the people better and kind of either adjust to their processes or build your own ones. So don't be afraid if you feel like the processes don't make sense or you're not really sure how it works yet. Number seven is starting documentation from scratch can be really challenging. This is definitely true, especially again, if you're the first writer on the job or if previous writers maybe were just freelancers so they didn't have time to create documentation, starting all of those documents, such as like a glossary, tone and voice guidelines, product writing patterns, localization templates, all of that from scratch can feel really overwhelming, especially if you're also onboarding into the company in general and also trying to understand everything else and building those relationships. However, you're gonna start sooner or later, and I think I have a pretty good strategy for what to start with and how to approach it, and I'm gonna share that with you today, so hopefully you won't feel like it's that much of a challenge. And then lastly, but not least, and I think this is definitely a UX writing specific issue, and that is that you may feel like you have to explain your job to everyone. Especially if you're the first UX writer, content strategist in the company, this can definitely be an issue. Um, some people have never worked with a UX writer before. They may not really understand what it entails. Um, it can happen either one way that a lot of people reach out to you for any kind of content or writing need. So you'll have to clarify what your actual your actual job is and what you're actually supposed to focus on. So for example, you're not supposed to write their Facebook campaigns, most likely in some cases you may need to, um, but that you're, for example, focused on product copy. And in other cases, it may be the opposite problem where people are so unsure what a UX writer does and is supposed to own that they don't share relevant projects with you that you should be involved in, or they share, pro share projects with you too late. So you can't get involved to an extent that you should probably get involved to make sure that the UX writing is really well done. So this is definitely a thing that I think a lot of us recognize, and I've definitely dealt with this and still deal with this today. So hopefully I have some tips for you there as well. So that's kind of the overview of most of the things that we're going to address in today's episode. And I have the tips and tricks that I kind of gathered. Like I said, a lot of them are based on my own experience, but I did also tweet about this and got some great replies from some other UX writers on Twitter in regards to what they would recommend you kind of focus on in your first 90 days. Um, but there's also going to be some other advice. And this is not really super prioritized by how important it is. Maybe a little, but this, again, I'm a little biased because this is how I would look at it. But don't look at this as like an exhaustive list and as a list that you should take down like in a 
first, second, third kind of process. Just like look at it and see what's most important for you and most relevant for you in your current job or in the new job that you're maybe starting soon. And another comment I want to make is so like this episode talks about the first 90 days on the job, but depending on the project and the company and their pacing, um, you may have to cover all of this in the first 30 days, or maybe you'll get six months instead of 90 days. So again, the time frame is also a little bit vague. And um, yeah, but I think in most cases, 90 days is a pretty good estimate for how you're going to approach some of these things. All right. So let's get started. The first thing I want to talk about, and this is also pretty much the consensus of the replies I got on Twitter, and that is that definitely when you start, you should focus on building relationships. Building relationships means you shouldn't just focus on your team and getting to know all the designers that you may be working with, but you definitely also early on need to focus on stakeholders. That could be PMs, that could be the marketing or brand team, it could be localization team, it could be devs. There's a lot of different stakeholders and a lot of different teams that you probably have to get to know. And in my experience, the earlier you do, the better for you. So even if maybe the people around you think, oh, this is maybe not a priority, you should just focus on your, your own team first, I think you should really early on try to establish those relationships with other teams as well. Um, and one of the reasons for this is not just so you can build trust and so you can understand how their processes work, which is definitely something that will help you cover some of the other points that will come up, but also that last point we talked about in the list, having to explain your job to everyone. If you really early kind of get to know these people, build relationships, and kind of talk a little bit about how you do UX writing, what you envision the process is maybe going to look like, you're going to pretty quickly give them an idea for how to work with you. And it's going to be easier for them to, for example, get your work on a roadmap, um, or understand how you could collaborate with their marketing efforts or campaign efforts if you're talking to the marketing team. So definitely, I think in the first 90 days, the main focus should be relationships. And I know this can sound a little scary because when you start a new job, you probably really want to show your skills. You want to show that you're fast at getting stuff done. And after 90 days, you ideally already want to have all this data and these new releases backing that you're awesome at UX writing and that the company definitely did the right call to bring you on. However, don't get trapped in trying to work on just current releases and trying to get stuff out really quickly because the sustainable way of approaching it is to really focus on relationships, focus on figuring processes out, slowly build your documentation. Definitely, yes, also work on releases and try to get some work off of your backlog that you can kind of show for yourself. But don't get too excited about just jumping right into work because probably that's going to bite you in the ass later on. The number two thing I want to talk about, and again, you know, most of this advice is based on my own experience. So some people may not disagree with this, but I've definitely gone well with this. And, you know, both clients and employers have really liked this about my approach to UX writing. What I do is I pretty much start my documentation from day one. So like I mentioned earlier, documentation is probably you want to start a glossary, you want to start tone and voice guidelines, you want to maybe start writing guidelines, like how do you talk about punctuation, um, sentence versus title case, what commas, things like that. Um, and there's maybe some other documentation that you also want to start creating, like naming conventions or localization templates. There's a lot of different documentation that you may want to start creating. And I do usually also, while I'm onboarding and getting to know more people and reading more documents and part of more processes, I do take my notes and kind of draft early versions of this documentation out without the intention to share them with anyone yet, with one exception. And that is the glossary. 
pretty early on when you start, you usually have some momentum and people are really excited to get to work with you and help you out. And I think the glossary is one of those documents that is very often underestimated. When you start in a product company and you're maybe the first UX writer, they likely have a lot of different names for a lot of different things, a lot of different terms. And by trying to understand what are all the different terms that we're using and what do they mean, you can really make it easier for yourself to understand what kind of direction you may want to go with the tone and voice, where you have some low-hanging fruits, where you can maybe simplify some flows just by changing up the copy, but where there potentially are also issues because maybe the naming conventions don't make a lot of sense. And the great thing about starting a glossary early on is that you can pretty simply do that in one of your first days. You may be going through the product, trying to get to know parts of it. Um, so you may be doing an audit. I usually just take screenshots of stuff that stand out to me, pop it in a Google slide deck, um, just leave some notes there with some questions. And I also take notes on, okay, here's a term, there's a term, here's another term. Maybe that's the same thing we're talking about. Are we, are we not? And just note that in, in my documentation. And then I create a cluster where I pop in all the different terms and names and things that I found. And I ask people to help me define them. And in most cases, I actually can't define a lot of stuff myself. There's usually a lot of things where I need someone that actually understands the product better to go in and give me a clear definition of what they mean. And this is a great opportunity to, you know, like post on Slack or mention this in a big team meeting. Hey, I need help with this. Can you look at this document? Can you help me define these different things? Um, so it's also a great way to kind of start that collaboration with others. Um, but also, like I said in the beginning, you have a lot of momentum. People are willing to help you. And pretty quickly, you're going to have hopefully not a very long, but a very detailed glossary. And you're going to be able to see some things here. For example, very likely, there are going to be different names for the same thing. So you can help make that decision. What do we actually want to call this? And then make sure that it's consistently updated and you call it the same thing throughout your product. And that's kind of one of the first calls that you can make. And it's a really nice way to start decision making, to start your documentation, to also see like, how you're going to take responsibility of things. So yeah, when it comes to documentation, my advice is start with the glossary, start with it as early as possible. Definitely also already take notes on tone and voice documentation, any other kind of documentation you want to or have to create, but the glossary is always my favorite. When it comes to other documentation like tone and voice, I actually usually recommend to start that quite slowly. Um, I totally understand you may be super excited to start on this if the company doesn't have it. And it's maybe also something they're really asking for early on. And one of the reasons they brought you on. But I definitely think you need to start, you need to get to know the product much better than you think when you first start. You need to start to get to know the product. Ideally, you're part of some user tests or can at least watch some of those user test videos to understand who the audience is and how they tick. Um, you definitely want to talk to the marketing team and likely also the customer success team to understand what users want and how they tick. Uh, and you can accumulate all of that kind of information and put it in your tone and voice. And again, I usually start with that documentation pretty early on as well, but I don't put out kind of like a, feedbackable draft until quite some time into the job, just because I want to make sure that what I have is solid and the feedback process can be pretty streamlined. I think the risk with putting out something very early on, if you when you don't know that much about the users yet or the, how kind of the brand tone is and things like that, is that it may blow up in your face and you're going to get a lot of feedback from different people uh, and it's going to take you a long time to really nail the final version. So that's just based on my experience, a little recommendation there. All right. To the next point, 
So like I mentioned earlier on, you may be really excited to start working on new releases so you can kind of show this is how UX writing and this is how my work is going to affect the product. And I definitely think you should start doing that, work on new releases, get to know the designers, see how they feel, see how it's to work with them, kind of figure out how you can build a sustainable UX writing process. And it's also a great way to kind of get involved and start providing feedback on the product, try to figure out how the product has been designed in the past, take some notes on that. And there maybe are already some things that you can kind of keep in mind with, aha, this is something that I would like to look at later. For example, this flow, or let's say it's the onboarding flow. And again, you may just want to take some screenshots and some notes and pop that in your general auditing document that you've probably made already in the beginning when you started to look at the product to kind of see what's up and what am I even dealing with here. So definitely don't shy away from working on new releases, but just make sure you have enough time to work on all the other things like building relationships and processes and starting your documentation. <clears throat> the next point, let's talk about that common UX writer issue, which is that you feel like you have to constantly educate people about what you do and what you're supposed to do. So I think you can either wing it, definitely, and just reply to questions as they come up and respond to requests as they come up. But I usually like to take a little bit more initiative when it comes to this. So even before I sign an offer letter, I will, I will recommend the client or the company that I'm working for um, that I do some sessions on UX writing. So I'll either host like some general sessions on this is what UX writing is, this is how you ideally work with UX writing, even with some exercises so people really understand how you think as a UX writer and why you have to get involved pretty early on. Um, but then also I usually try to break it down into and this is how I think it's going to work in this company. And I honestly can only recommend this. It always goes really well. There's a lot of questions. People increase their understanding of UX writing on content strategy early on. It also motivates them to reach out to you more. And they're much more open usually to, to your advice and your recommendations. And if you're like excited about a certain project, you want to get it on the roadmap. This is a really great way to get buy-in. So design a little session like that. See how your manager, how your team feels about it. Um, you can also start with just maybe giving it to your team, likely of designers, and then later expand and also do a session for the developers or maybe the marketing team, things like that. But I definitely recommend trying to do some of those kind of knowledge education focused sessions. Then another thing I like to do, uh, and this depends a little bit on the format. I've done it a lot on Slack in the past. But for example, if the company you work for uses Slack for a lot of reporting and a lot of updating each other in the teams, then I would recommend creating a Slack channel for UX writing, or maybe there already is one, then actively use it. Post about the things you're working on every now and then, drop something in there that you're asking for feedback on, just to show that, hey, I'm transparent, this is some of the stuff that I'm working on, and to kind of increase that understanding for, aha, uh -huh, so this is what UX writing does. So this is what she's been doing, and this is what he's been working on. Oh, and he's been involved in this, and she's been leading that project. That's really interesting. So to really just make sure that people see some of your output, it's going to be much easier for them to understand, okay, this is something I can reach out to Nicole for because, you know, this is apparently UX writing. So I can definitely recommend that. Then the next step is around processes. So I do think in your first 90 days on the job, you want to understand what processes there currently are and how people feel about them. So in some companies, there are established processes, but they're quite flexible. So you do have the opportunity to come in and to maybe change things up or even like recommend different ways of working. However, there are also companies where that's going to be difficult. They have very established processes. They're not really looking to change those. So you're going to have to adapt to whatever they have. But in the first 90 days, it's kind of when you to figure out like, 
what processes are there? How do people look at them? How do people work with them? How set in stone are they? How can I work with them? How can I adapt to them? Or are there maybe new processes specifically for UX writing or content strategy I need to own or I need to develop? So you can do this by kind of just observing simple things like what is the meeting cadence? What meetings are people in? Uh, what do people talk about in those meetings? What do those agendas look like? Um, do they work in certain time intervals, like say sprints? Um, do they, do they, what tools do they use to manage work? Jira, Trello, whatever it may be. And kind of just figure out how things work. And by looking at that, you'll also quickly figure out who owns certain things, who is an important stakeholder for you that you maybe overlooked earlier on. Uh, and then again, go back to point one, relationship building. You feel like there's someone that owns a lot of responsibility and takes a lot of decisions that you haven't talked to. Try to schedule a meeting with them, get to know them to figure out, hey, like, this is me. This is what I do. How do you think I can support you? How can you support me? So really keep an eye on those. On that note, and this is also something that came up from someone on Twitter, you should make sure you have access to all systems that you may need to use. And um, as I mentioned earlier in the beginning, you may get access to far more systems than you're actually going to be actively using. However, when it comes to UX writing, and since in the beginning, you're likely not sure what the exact processes are going to look like, make sure you have access to all of the things that you want to maybe want to look at, be it the localization system, be it GitHub, or whatever the company is using to just understand, like, how are we working with these different things so you can make most sense of where should UX writing be involved and how should UX writing contribute to this. Then another thing that comes up often in my discussions with people when they are in a new job, um, but that also can be overlooked a lot, is how do you want to measure the success of your role? So you want to definitely look at how does the company in general measure, measure success? Your manager, when they hire you, they may already have an idea of how to measure your success. But then again, there's maybe some things you want to bring up yourself. And again, as a UX writer, it's a new discipline. A lot of companies have never worked with UX writing before. You also have the opportunity to really say, here are some ways that I think we should me measure the success of UX writing. So for example, one thing I really like to bring up is uh, I like to look at customer success tickets. When I'm working on a certain flow that has a certain amount of tickets, after I've worked on that flow, have the tickets gone down or the number of tickets has it been reduced? Things like that. But there's also other metrics you may want to look out for and where you, where maybe at first people wouldn't consider them UX writing relevant metrics. But you may realize while you're looking at the processes and maybe also looking at how users interact with the product that this could be a useful metric to measure the success of UX writing. So definitely keep an eye on that as well. And if you're proactive about this, I think people are definitely going to appreciate that. Another point that I definitely want to bring up, and this has a, it's a little bit tricky because it has a lot to do with confidence, but that is, I think you should share in crits or design reviews as soon as possible. Get comfortable with sharing, even if you don't have that big projects in the beginning or that much to show for yourself, still bring it to crit, still bring it to design review, both to show that you're willing to share, that you are willing to be transparent and receive feedback, which is very important to build that trust early on. Hey, I'm comfortable with feedback. Please give it to me. Show whatever you can show in crits or design review. And honestly, in the beginning, when I'm maybe not working on big releases yet, I will show thoughts on processes or I will show first drafts of documentation just to make sure I have something and I can really establish that, hey, like, please give me feedback. I appreciate it um, and I value your feedback. 
And also, of course, give that back. When you're in design reviews and crits, you may be, again, the first UX writer or the only one. Make sure you start giving feedback early on um, so people get comfortable with your type of feedback that is likely new and different from the feedback that they've received from, for example, fellow designers. And on that note, I think it's definitely important to mention that you've just landed a job. Congrats, that's great. You've likely gone through a really long, exhausting recruitment process, but you have that job, and that means the company, the team, your manager, they all believe in you. So definitely be confident. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to say that you're maybe overwhelmed or that you feel like the workload pretty quickly is too much. Again, you may feel like that in the beginning and it may fizzle out after a while, but it can also happen that they've just underestimated the amount of work there is for a UX writer and you're quickly going to feel like, oh, wow, I, I, I don't think I can do this in the long run. Speak up about this. Be confident. Show what you can do, but do not overwork yourself. You need to establish those boundaries early on as well. And of course, again, this is advice that is important for any kind of job, but I think UX writers very often end up in a trap where they do a lot and they feel very overwhelmed and they just deal with it because people around them can't see that because, you know, there's probably no other UX writers there or no other content strategists that can understand the pain. So it's important that you early on set boundaries. Um, I've done this plenty of times where certain things were offloaded onto me where I just said, hey, listen, manager, I can't do this on top of all these other things. We need to reduce the scope of my work. And usually managers are really happy to do that and happy to help you, but you need to speak up, otherwise it won't happen. So definitely keep this in mind, even if you may be feeling a little bit insecure because you're still new on the job, it's worth it. And it's actually better to bring it up early on before you've kind of worked yourself into a corner and then people will maybe feel like, oh, wow, like, but she's been doing this for six months and now she's complaining about this. Feels a little strange. So bring it up early on or as soon as you notice it. And the last point I have to make for this episode and to kind of respond to that list I shared in the beginning is that I think you should make sure to share loads and loads and loads with your manager so they can understand your pain points especially if they aren't a UX writer or content strategist themselves. And I hear this all the time in most cases where I've worked as a UX writer or a content designer. I've worked for a manager that was just a designer and didn't have that great of an understanding of what UX writing is and what issues a UX writer may face on a day-to-day -day basis. And oftentimes, and I think that's great, UX writing is put equal with design. However, in, in reality, the processes are unfortunately still very dif different. And so while a designer quite quickly, for example, can get buy-in from a PM, the UX writer may struggle with that. So all of those things you should share very openly with your boss. You should not be afraid to say, hey, I'm struggling with this person. They're not putting my stuff on the roadmap or they're not involving me in processes early enough. Um, I've tried to talk to them, but it's not working because they can help you establish those relationships and establish those processes from the top down and really back you there. And that can be super important, again, especially if you're a new UX writer, more junior UX writer, or just the first UX writer on your team. So don't be afraid to share. And it's, I think, also going to be really interesting for your manager to understand how you approach things and, um, yeah, but what issues UX writing may face. They can take that up. They can ensure that you get what you need to create the best possible output and create really great work. All right. So that was today's episode on my tips and tricks and advice for your first 90 days on your new UX writing job. 
Let me know what you think. Feel free to reach out with any questions or feedback. And I hope you have a great summer. I'm looking forward to the fall when there's going to be more episodes. There's already a couple of great episodes in the pipeline. Again, thank you so much for your support. Take care. This was Nicole from Content Rookie. Bye-bye.